I'm Sadie. I live in a beautiful house. The best part is, I bought this house with the money I made. I swim in this wonderful pool every day. We have four luxury cars in our garage. We have a full kitchen staff and servers. My parents left their jobs last year because, thanks to me, we are millionaires. They don't need to work anymore. So, how did I make a fortune? Hang tight. I'll tell you something you'll probably never hear again. I owe all this fortune to a disease. More specifically, a genetic disorder. You heard that right. Thanks to this genetic disorder, I can make thousands of dollars by working only a few days a month. Now I'm going to tell you all about this interesting condition I have and how it made me a millionaire. The medical term for my condition is congenital insensitivity to pain. It's called CIP for short. You could call it the not able to feel physical pain disorder. It's a genetic disorder. There are tons of videos on YouTube about people with it. You might have watched one of those, but I'll still briefly explain to you what my disease is because it's really interesting. First of all, this is a very rare disease. It's estimated that there are only 500 CIP patients in the world. Although it's recognized as an issue that has to do with genes, the real cause is unknown. To put it simply, my brain doesn't know what pain is. This is why I can't feel pain when I should. Don't be jealous. This is not a good thing at all. I'll explain with an example. Normally, feeling pain is a defense mechanism. Let's say you're in the shower. You turned on the hot water by mistake. In that second, you feel intense pain and turn the hot water off immediately to avoid burning yourself. My process doesn't go that way. If I accidentally turn on the hot water, I don't feel any pain, so I can't tell if the water is hot enough to burn my skin. I continue showering with boiling water. Meanwhile, I get these deep burns in my skin, but I can only tell that I got them when I get out of the shower and see the wounds. It can take months for my skin to heal and recover. As you can tell from this example, People who don't feel pain lack an important bodily defense mechanism. On the other hand, I have to say there are advantages to being a CIP patient. It hurts like hell when you hit your pinky toe, right? I'm lucky that way. Even if my pinky toe is broken, I don't feel pain. <laughs> Similarly, when I step on a Lego piece, it doesn't hurt. I don't feel bee stings. My mosquito bites don't itch. I don't have menstrual pain. I've never had a tooth or headache in my life. But not feeling pain doesn't make me a superhero either. Let's say I went camping in nature. A snake bit me while I was walking among the trees. Naturally, I'd feel no pain. But if the snake was poisonous, I'd be affected by its bite. I could even die. I was diagnosed with this condition at the age of four. My family bought a pair of roller skates for my birthday. I was teaching myself how to skate in front of our house. After trying for a long time, I learned how to keep my balance. Shortly after that, I could skate easily. But there was a significant problem. I didn't know how to break yet. There was a small cactus patch on the side of the road. I couldn't break, so I flew straight into the cactus. My face, my back, my arms, and my feet were stuck by cactus spikes everywhere. I went home covered in spikes. It was my mom's day off. She screamed when she saw me. I smiled at her and said, Mom, come out and watch me. I can skate now. Sadie, you have needles all over your body. Doesn't it? hurt, honey? My mom asked, apparently shocked. I don't know, mom. What does that mean? What happens when it hurts? I replied. My mom was even more shocked when she realized I didn't know what hurt meant. When my dad came home that night, she told him what had happened. They sat me down and asked some questions. Then they did a few tests. My mom nervously pricked my arm with a needle. 
They were shocked when I told them it didn't hurt at all. When you were a baby, you never cried while getting vaccinated. I was always surprised about that, but I never thought you were unable to feel the pain, my mom said. The next day, we went to a doctor specializing in this issue. They ran some tests on me at the hospital, and I got diagnosed with CIP. There is no treatment for this genetic disorder. Patients have to take care of themselves for the rest of their lives. As I said earlier, pain is one of the body's defense mechanisms. Some people lose their lives because they can't feel pain. I think you now have enough information about my condition. So how did my disorder make me rich? That's what's next. Also, I'm going to need your advice on an issue at the end of my story. It was about a year and a half ago. We were on our way to visit my grandmother. We had a terrible traffic accident. Our car swerved, went off the road, and flipped over three times before landing in the woods. When I opened my eyes, I realized my parents were unconscious. I wasn't in good shape myself either. I was obviously injured. But thanks to CIP, I didn't feel anything. That's how I was able to call 911 and let them know about the accident. Shortly after, an emergency response team found us. Since it was a significant accident, a television crew also arrived. The reporter was surprised to see me talking casually with the paramedics while filming us in our car. The reporter asked, You're injured but look so at ease. How is this possible? Because I don't feel any pain. I'm a CIP patient, I replied. The TV reporter asked me questions about CIP. He was shocked to hear that I didn't feel any pain. After he finished talking to me, he turned to the camera and said, Dear viewers, we are witnessing a miracle right now. This poor girl was injured in the accident, yet she feels no pain. More importantly, this is how she saved her family's life by calling 911. She's a hero. My parents were worse off than I was. I recovered in a relatively short time. However, they both had many broken bones and had to stay in the hospital. During that time, a few journalists and TV personalities came to interview me. One day as I was getting ice cream, someone in the line said, Hey, I saw you on TV. You're the girl who doesn't feel any pain and wanted to take a selfie with me. That day, I realized I was low-key famous thanks to my disorder. Because my parents couldn't work, we started having financial problems. Plus, the hospital bill was going up every single day. I told my parents, I want to quit school and find a job. They were vehemently opposed to it. We'll never let you quit school. We'll figure out a way, they said. One day, the doctor walked into their room. You've hit your insurance limit. You need to continue the treatment at home now, he said. I was so sad when I found out. I cried all night. There was nothing I could do. The doorbell rang the following day. Two nicely dressed ladies were standing in front of me when I opened the door. I invited them in. One of the women said, I'm the CEO of Dragon Flame. We are a hot red pepper brand and produce the hottest peppers on the market. We have an offer for you. Would you consider appearing in our commercials? Whoa. This offer got me really excited. I ran to the hospital and asked my parents their opinion. When they permitted me to do it, I became the face of the Dragon Flame brand. After signing the contract with the company, I earned 10 years worth of my parents' combined salaries. And since I could pay their hospital bill, they stayed and finished their treatment. A few weeks later, the commercial was filmed. According to the script, I ate the hottest pepper the company offered. Then I acted like my mouth was on fire. At the same time, I was screaming, So hot! So hot! Even I can't handle this! At the end of the commercial, this slogan came up. Even the girl who can't feel pain can't handle dragon flame. Three months went by. The CEO of Dragonflame called me. They loved our commercial. 
Our sales doubled. We have a new product coming up. We're doing another commercial for that. We are offering you double the previous price. We'd be happy if you'll do it, she said. This was a fantastic opportunity. Of course, I said yes. My parents had gotten better and left the hospital. With the money I made from the commercial, I bought this house we live in. We all moved into our new home. My disorder came in handy for the second time. The first time was when I saved my parents' lives. I got famous when the hot pepper commercial aired on TV. People stopped me on the street to say, that's the girl who doesn't feel pain. They would take photos with me and share those photos on their social accounts. That's how I became popular online. I opened Instagram and TikTok accounts and began answering all the questions people sent me. The most frequently asked question is, do you really feel nothing? In response, I stick a needle in my arm, smile at the camera and say, I really don't feel any pain. As I said at the story's beginning, I make really good money by working only a few days a month. I've been getting offers from various other companies. For example, I did a commercial for a vitamin company a few months ago. Last month, I did photos for a plaster brand. This month, we're doing a commercial for a new product for Dragonflame. Last week, something unexpected about my disorder happened. I got a call from a famous university and they invited me there. They've been doing CIP studies for some time. After many tests, they finally developed a drug for it. I'd been pretty chill about my condition because there was no treatment, but when this option materialized, I got confused. They're still not sure if the drug can cure my disorder. Since there are so few CIP patients worldwide, I'll be one of the first test subjects. If the drug is successful, I will start feeling pain like you. I've given this a lot of thought, but I can't make up my mind. If my condition is treated, I'll start feeling pain like everyone else and my body will have a working defense mechanism. This would be great for my health, but on the other hand, I'm making so much money thanks to my condition. If I get treatment, I'll lose my title as the girl who doesn't feel pain. The teacher's eye twitched nervously when he looked at me. I stood in front of him, nervously rubbing my notebook. The girls were whispering and laughing, but the boys were ready to eat me up with their amorous stares. Katie, I have never seen a student like you. The teacher's voice quivered. Either you answer my question or you go straight to the principal. I squealed like a mouse. The boys were all gasping with emotion, and there was hysterical laughter among the girls. It was the toughest test I'd ever had. Hi, my name is Katie, and I'm actually a genius, but I have to pretend to be stupid to get guys to like me. Before this school year, I went to another school, and I had my picture up on all the honor boards. I could compete with a lot of the teachers in terms of knowledge, and our physicist even quit after arguing with me and threw a real tantrum on the principal. After fifth grade, I stopped doing homework altogether because I was so good at it, and I had a place at Yale already secured. But my life wasn't like a fairy tale. I guess it's no secret that guys don't like girls who are too smart. I have a beautiful appearance, but my intelligence scared away all the admirers. When I was on another date, I'd get a little carried away and I'd start discussing the stages of evolution, the boundaries of the universe, or the splitting of atoms. The guys would just blow right off, and they wouldn't even talk to me at school. But I wanted love so bad, more than anything. So, when I got transferred to a new, better school in the state, I decided to change my life. Why do I need brains that outshine my beauty? I want a boyfriend, I want dates and attention. 
So I decided to play dumb. And according to my calculations, it was going to help me. The first day, I went to school as a living doll. The guys were drooling, but the girls were a little wary. I'm a quick thinker, so I went straight to the breach. Walking down the corridor, I supposedly tripped next to a handsome man. And he just happened to catch me. Baby, are you okay? He played with his eyebrows. Wow, you're strong. I squeezed his biceps. Are they made of steel? I just work out a lot. He answered proudly. And I drink protein. Do you drink them right? How much protein do you consume? What's your protein base? And is it certified? The guy's look immediately changed. He was batting his eyes stupidly. And I think he froze. I'm getting carried away again. What the hell was that curse? Okay, that was a slip, but I almost made it. I decided to change tactics and try my luck with a smarter guy. After picking the best-looking one in biology class, I paired up with him. Everything was going great. I was dumb as hell, and he felt like a real hero. He even put his palm on mine. It took my breath away. But what is he doing? This isn't right at all. I took the guy's microscope away. Are you an idiot? It's so clear. What the hell did you write? Katie, I... I... The poor guy started stuttering, and I started to rewrite the whole thing in a frenzy. And by the time I realized what I'd done, the guy had already run away. And from that moment on, he was on his way to avoid me. What a genius idiot I am. Even zombie wouldn't eat my brain. I'm too smart. But I invented a new tactic, and I joined the company of beautiful fools. Around them, the guys walked like a herd of buffalo at the watering hole. I couldn't understand how it was possible. Even cats are smarter than these girls. Even my microwave knows more tasks than they do. The only thing that saved me was that I am a fast learner and could adapt to their strange behavior. Pretty soon, I could pretend to be so stupid that my brain was catching critical errors. And it worked. I was hit on by a real hottie. Pete and I went on a date, and this strong man was literally carrying me in his arms. I had never heard so many compliments about myself before. One day, he took me to the gym to show how strong he was. Wow, what a barbell. I went over to the dumbbells and looked at them stupidly. It's dumbbells, he proudly announced and hugged me. You don't know anything about it, do you, cat? No, will you show me? Sure, baby. That's a kettlebell. He held up a huge kettlebell, and I was fascinated by his muscles. And this is where I set my record. No one can beat me. Pete went over to the weight machine, set his maximum weight, and pushed the lever as hard as he could. I'm super-powered, you know? I'm like Superman. And then I started shaking with anger. My brain was screaming, and it became hysterical. Even my eyes went black. Superman, that's just leverage. I went over to the simulator. I made the lever longer, and I adjusted it. And then I put my little weight on it and did the same thing Pete did. It's basic physics. What is wrong with you, Pete? How can you be so stupid? There was laughter from all sides of the guys. Pete's lip trembled, and he ran away. And I slapped my forehead with my palm. I'd ruined it again. I was already desperate, thinking 
It was all useless. Plus, my studies made my teachers furious. I came in here with the best performance, but in reality, I couldn't solve an elementary example. Because of my disguise, my parents were hysterical, and I made up stupid excuses. I was getting ready to get smart, but then I met Caleb, a musician from the parallel class with an angelic voice. He was incredibly handsome and cool, though he was on the verge of dropping out. I don't need to study. I'm a musician, he was saying. But Caleb was so charming that I fell in love. He wooed me beautifully, composed songs, and gave me the most unforgettable dates. You're so good to me, Cat. You're so simple, not like those nerds. I hate nerds, I murmured, melting in his arms. I was finally done messing things up. My brain was just shutting down from love. But at the end of the semester, the midterm test began, which brought me back from the dream world. Caleb was so bad at studying that he wasn't even bothered. He'd be expelled for sure, and so would I. The teachers wanted to get rid of me on principle and wrote angry messages to my previous principal. Yeah, I really screwed him over. He vouched for me. So, in another algebra class, I got axed with an elementary question. Caleb was staring at me with love, and the teacher was freaking out. Boyfriend or career? A choice that seemed impossible to me. That's where I started my story. Sit down, cat, the teacher said nervously. You can go right after class and sign the expulsion papers. No! I came up to the blackboard. Give me your tasks, all of them. And I solved them all by writing all over the blackboard and even the wall. The kids looked at me with their mouths open, and it was like the teacher saw a ghost. Lesson after lesson, I amazed everyone. I pulled all my grades in just a few days, and the teachers, even the principal, saw me as a real treasure. But Caleb wasn't thrilled. So you're a nerd, he said disappointedly. Yes, but we're good together. You lied to me. You're a crammer, cat. I don't mess with nerds. You're a fool. I got angry. You'll get expelled. You won't even be able to play music. All the rock stars were nerds, he retorted. When? The 80s? Ow. This is the 21st century. Give me a break, cat. You have homework to do. He left, and I was filled with anger. How could he treat life like that? He'll ruin himself and be nothing. I stormed into his rehearsal room, blazing with anger. Come here, I said sternly and dragged the boy by the hand. What, are you out of your mind? Just drop your guitar already. I was as unstoppable as a snow avalanche. When I took Caleb back to my house, I locked the room where my books were already prepared. Cat, are you out of your mind? Sit down and listen. I sat down next to him, textbook in hand. Get away from me, why are you doing this? Because I love you, you fool. I won't let you get kicked out of school, understand? I'm not gonna read any stupid textbooks. You won't, just listen. You're a musician and you're better at hearing information. That's why it's hard for you to memorize lyrics. I made Caleb listen to himself. We took breaks for tea and conversation. And then I'd go back to hammering it into him. The kid didn't like it, but I managed to teach him for days at a time. Cat, that's it, that's it, I don't like it. Okay, I crossed my arms around my chest, my anger overwhelming. 
School's not my thing, Cat. Yeah, you're better off living with your parents until you're old. Work at the diner, play guitar in your spare time. Maybe even play at a cafe or two. Good luck, Caleb. When he left, I cried. I'd fallen in love for the first time, kissed for the first time, and he ruined everything. When he gets expelled, we'll never see each other again. He doesn't want someone like me. And I guess it wasn't love for him. For a week straight, all I listened to was the song that Caleb had dedicated to me. And then, in a heartbreak, I deleted it. I made my choice. But as soon as I did, I heard the same song from across the street. Caleb? I almost fell out the window. I'm sorry, Cat. I'm an idiot. Caleb put the guitar down, and then he showed me his textbooks. I don't want to drop out of school, because that's where I see you. I love you, Cat. Will you help me pass my exams? I was so happy. I was ready to fly. In the evenings, I saw Caleb on my own, and at night, I recorded audio lessons for him. When he couldn't come to class, he'd listen to my voice on his headphones and learn. Even when he was driving his car around town, I could hear my voice through the speakers. It was exam day, and I couldn't help myself. I gave my boyfriend a big kiss. You can do this, Caleb. Just know that I love you. While we waited for the test results, Caleb wasn't himself. The teachers and principal just chuckled indulgently, and they were surprised he was still in school. Even his friends were convinced that he was going to get kicked out of school. But worst of all, Caleb himself was sure of it. Classes with you were the best time of my life, he said. Caleb looked at me sadly. Thank you, Cat. I won't forget that. I burst into tears, thinking this was the end of our relationship. The next morning, after a sleepless night, I heard screams under the window. It was Caleb, and he looked like a happy puppy and a badass rocker. I passed the test, Cat. I'm staying in school. We can keep our hands off each other for days with joy. Finally, my intelligence was able to help me get on with my personal life and also help the person I love. Even now, Caleb often listens to my records and learns new things. But he doesn't forget about music either. Guys, if you think being smart is a curse, give it up. Intelligence can give you so much more than popularity in school. Don't sacrifice your future for supposed fame. Are there any of you who suffer because of your intelligence? Share your stories in the comments. Like and share this video with your friends. Also, be sure to subscribe to our channel and click the bell. There's a whole pile of money in here. There's so much money, it'll be enough for several generations. I excitedly told my boyfriend. You should talk to your parents about it. They should explain to you the origin of the money. Johnny replied thoughtfully. What if they didn't know anything about it? Maybe I should just take some of it. I continued to reason. No way. First of all, it could be someone else's money. And secondly, it could have a criminal background. My boyfriend suggested, which really scared me. Strangely enough, I didn't even think about it. You're right. Maybe I should discuss it with my parents. Hi everyone, my name is Mary, and I recently found out that there are millions of dollars in my house. But despite that, our family lives on the edge of poverty. My parents are farmers, so they live in a rural community. Or more accurately, in the middle of nowhere. For the sake of my future, they sent me to the city to study. 
Now I only come home on weekends and school breaks. And the rest of the time, I live with my grandparents. In fact, my parents used to be quite well off. We had a nice apartment in the city, but we had to sell it after the fire at the farm in order to rebuild at least some of the destroyed property and start farming again. It's going to be different now. We can't afford half of what we used to be able to afford, of what we used to be able to do. Dad said sadly, as he stood on the ashes and wiped a faint tear from his cheek. But my parents didn't want to change anything. The thing is, we belong to one of the oldest families that had been farming for centuries. It runs in our veins. My grandfather was a farmer. My father was a farmer. But I would like for my children and my grandchildren to choose their own path. My father always says proudly, and I'm very grateful to him for that. I would like to be a stewardess or a model, but I haven't made up my mind yet, and I still have time to think about it. Think, think, my dear. But if anything, you can always take over our family business in the form of hay, manure, and cows. My daddy smirked at me. And when he said that, I didn't feel like fooling around and letting things happen by themselves. By the way, my parents are very brave people. They were supposed to continue taking care of the family business after the wedding, but they had the courage to run away to the city for a better future, so I could grow up in a different environment and get a decent education. And I think I'm on the right track. I've made a lot of new friends in the city, and most importantly, I met my love, Johnny. What are you doing? Just put your foot here and the machine will wrap the film around your shoes. Are you from a village? said Johnny when he saw me for the first time. I was trying to pull a bag from the shoe cover machine. Yeah, from the village, I said blushing. How ashamed I was of myself. But if it weren't for that incident, I would never have met my love. Johnny and I have a lot in common. We listen to the same music, we love sushi, and we both bite our nails when we're nervous. When I go to my parents' house, my boyfriend misses me a lot and looks forward to my return. On one of those trips, I decided to clean up the barn to help out my parents a little. But it turned out to be so old that at some point, the floor just collapsed and I fell right through it. Man, that hurt. Mom used to always tell me to eat more food. If I'd been a little thicker, I wouldn't have fallen through that crack. I grumbled angrily at myself. It was easier to fall through than to get back out. I hope I don't starve to death in this hole. I muttered and decided to look around. I turned on the light on my phone. There was nothing around except a strange box. I had unrealistic hopes for its contents. I hoped to find tools in it that I could use to break up the rest of the floor and get back to the surface. However, its contents were more than unexpected because the box was filled to the brim with money. What a find! There's a fortune here! A dream come true! And what a pity it's come to me now when I can only use it as toilet paper or a handkerchief. I said ironically, trying to figure out how much money was in there. At that point, the money didn't really matter because I had to get out. And when you're in an extreme situation, you have to use whatever you have on hand. So I got on top of the box of money, broke the floorboards above my head and climbed out. That sure went well, I said, wiping the sweat from my head. After the fall, my bones ached and my head was pounding. What bothered me the most was my discovery. There was a fortune in that box and it could change our family's life. Realizing this was terrifying and exciting at the same time. So I covered the hole in the floor with junk and hurried away. Where did this money come from? Who does it belong to? Do my parents know about it? And if they do, why are they living on the edge of poverty? I pondered. 
I didn't ask my parents that time, and when I got back to town, I decided to tell Johnny. He assured me that no matter what, I should talk to my parents about what I found. Okay, this weekend I would definitely do that, I promised my boyfriend. And for the next few days, I imagine the conversation I'll have with my mom and dad when I go home for the weekend. Do you know that you have a lot of cash lying around in there? Do you want some dough? Look there. Don't have enough money? Just get it from the barn. That's about how I imagine the beginning of my conversation with my folks. I really don't know how to tell them what I'd found because it wasn't a $10 bill. Confusion, fear, panic, joy, excitement. I think I was going through the whole range of emotions, but I was still able to pull myself together and start talking. Mom, Dad, last week I fell through the floor in the shed and found a whole bunch of money in a box. Do you have anything to say about that? I said boldly when I arrived at my parents' house. I'd been preparing, and that's why my words sounded confident and clear of any doubts. At that moment, I was ready for any reaction from my parents, from indifference to a fit of rage. I hope you didn't touch them. My dad didn't even flinch. I didn't, but why are you so calm about it? As if millions of dollars mean nothing to you. Maybe there's something I don't understand. I answered suspiciously. My mother was clearly nervous, putting her apron on and taking it off several times. Yes, of course I know about the money. But the most important thing you have to understand is, you must never take a cent from it. Dad said sternly and went back to his business. All my next questions were simply ignored, and that put me in a kind of stupor. Parents count every penny, save on everything, and yet they have millions of dollars. It's weird, I thought. I came up with two main theories that day. I was open to the possibility that my parents' savings from the old days were put aside and that they were intended for my studies at a prestigious university. The other version was that my father got the money through some crooked way, so he was afraid to spend it. But knowing my father's honest nature, this version seemed completely absurd and unrealistic. However, I decided to do my own investigation anyway and Googled information on unsolved thefts and burglaries in recent years. And I managed to find something interesting. Some time ago in a neighboring city, an armored car was robbed. The criminals got away with millions of dollars and the police never managed to find them. What's more, the date of the robbery was almost the same as the day of the fire that happened at our house. It all made sense. Out of desperation, Daddy decided to make some extra money for the family and committed a horrible crime. And now it was clear why he had hidden that money so carefully and forbade me from touching it. He's just afraid that he'll be found and locked up for the rest of his life. God, what a nightmare! How could Daddy do such a thing? And who was the other burglar? I wondered aloud, trying not to panic. The next morning, I had to go back to the city. But it wasn't the alarm clock that woke me up. It was a loud conversation outside. I looked out the window and saw my dad talking to a man. And it was hardly a friendly conversation. Don't worry, your money will stay intact. And my daughter will live the life she wants. We'd rather be poor, but free. My father said to the stranger, it was clear that the man had something uh -huh. to do with that money and that it no. was somehow directly related uh -huh. to me. I decided to waste no time and act because now the truth was closer than ever. Why don't you tell me what this is all about? I said defiantly, running out into the street. My father was surprised and hesitated for a bit, and the stranger looked at me with an appraising look, smiled and said, So that's who you are, our future daughter-in-law? 
After these words, my father shouted at him and sent him away. I was so shocked. I couldn't say a word and just looked at my father in confusion. All right, I'll tell you everything. He said sadly and went into the house. That's when I found out that the stranger was a rich man from the community that my parents had fled from years before. Some time ago, he found out about the fire in our financial situation and decided to seize the moment. You know very well that members of our community shouldn't get involved with outsiders. So it's best for everyone if your daughter marries my son, he said to my father, opening a suitcase of money in front of him. He was offering my father a huge sum of money and in exchange, I had to marry the stranger's son, but my father flatly refused, so they made a bet. The man said he would leave the money with us, and if not a single bill disappeared before I came of age, then daddy could have the money for himself. But if anyone took a cent, my daddy would give me a way to marry his son. Now you know everything, so I'm asking you to forget about the money for a while, and then in a year, we'll be very rich. Daddy said hopefully at the end of the story, and then he added, Look at the son of that weirdo. How could I marry you off to such an awful guy? He showed me a picture on his phone. It was Johnny. I mean, all this time, my dad's been doing everything he could to keep me from doing what had already happened. Yes, Daddy, I think you're right. I said as I hurried to get my things so I could catch the bus. My head was a mess. But one thing I did know was that we could basically start spending money now. Johnny wasn't someone I wanted to keep away from, and I'd be glad to be his wife in the future. Do you think I should tell my parents and start spending that money, or should I wait a little longer? Share your answers in the comments, and be sure to like this video if you enjoyed it. That night, I stood in front of the student lockers and stuffed a bunch of letters into them. Suddenly, the alarm rang and a security guard came. Huh? No one's here? Maybe it's just some mic. After he left, I breathed a sigh of relief because I wasn't discovered. <laughs> Can you guys guess where I am? <laughs> I'm here on top of a closet with a super cool hiding pose like Elastic Girl. Hi, I'm Annie, 17 years old. Currently, I'm studying in the most disciplined boarding school on Holly Island, England. The school that could make any student tremble when they hear its name. If you misbehaved just once, you would be severely disciplined. Unfortunately for that school, I'm the girl who was born to break every single rule. At this place, it was mandatory to follow a set of rules which included no romance, no defamation, no phone in class. If we broke any of these three, it would either leave an ugly remark on our school records or get us expelled. Still, the school believed they were very merciful because phones were allowed in the dormitory. But little did they know that the phone signals and network there were so weak that our phones were practically useless. We couldn't contact each other at all. So I came up with a bold business idea. Using letters to communicate, I'd be the mailwoman and charge them accordingly. But occasionally, I ran into a few problems. Once, when I was secretly putting a letter from Mary into her boyfriend's locker, the superintendent mm. caught me. Eddie, show me that piece of paper. I tried to run away, but he helped me back. When he thought he was about to catch the mastermind behind the mailing service, he opened the paper and saw nothing but scribbles inside. What does this mean? Is there a rule that prohibits drawing, <gasps> sir? The superintendent got angry and left. Are you surprised? While running away, I switched Mary's letter with the one bowl of scribbles that I had prepared in case I got caught. Smart, right? <laughs> but not every time I was able to escape so smoothly. 
Two months ago, during one of my mailing trips during the night, I had to go to the parking lot. I was tying the letter neatly under the oak tree when suddenly a light flashed at me. Who's there? Afraid of being discovered, I slipped behind a pickup truck and climbed into it to hide. Suddenly, the truck started to roar and sped away. I was so scared that I slammed on the truck's door. Drop me down! I'm right here! The truck braked and a young man screamed angrily. Are you nuts? Why did you climb here? It was a very strange looking man. I had never huh? seen him at school before. He introduced himself as Alvin, the new school janitor. When Alvin was asking me why I was at school in the middle of the night, accidentally, <gasps> a bunch of letters from my coat fell down on the ground. I hastily picked them up. Oh, you're the operator of the secret mailing service. Nope. So why else would you come to school at night with a pile of letters? Okay, fine, you're right. It's me, but you can't tell this to anyone. Hmm. Alvin agreed on one condition. He wanted to join my mailing service and get a share of the profits. Although I didn't Ugh. want to, I had to agree. After that day, Elvin officially became my partner in crime. I went to school by morning to study and broke into the school <laughs> by night to deliver letters with him. The number of people who wanted to send letters was increasing, and the purpose of the letters went from love confessing to attacking each other. One day, I received an anonymous <gasps> request to send a cursed letter to Farrell, the fearsome bully at my school. I didn't want to. However, Alvin convinced me to do it because the client would pay us a lot of money, so I hesitantly accepted. That night, I took the letter to Farrell's locker, but suddenly, there was a loud noise. Alvin quickly pushed me into the corner as footsteps were approaching. Who's there? We held our breath. Alvin held my hand tightly while our hearts pounded with fear. Who touched my locker? Realizing that we could not escape easily, Alvin came out to face Farrell and got beaten right away. The alarm bell rang loudly and the school security came immediately. I was about to rush out to save Alvin, but he ran away to distract him from seeing me. The very next day, Alvin was suspended from work. As for Farrell, because he had bribed the superintendent, he was released. It was so unfair. I quickly went to Alvin's home. When he saw me, he just sighed. Well, it was fun while it lasted, kid. Guess it's time for me to retire. No, I'll get justice for you. With that said, I left his house. In my mind, I decided to do one last mailing service. I would send my own letter to the principal. That evening, while waiting for the principal to leave, I snuck inside and placed a two-page letter pointing out the absurdity of the school and the darkness lurking behind its perfect image. Suddenly, the door to the principal's office was slammed shut. Out of nowhere, Farrell came to me with a baseball bat. <laughs> gotcha, male woman. He swung the bat repeatedly and broke all the furniture in the room. When he accidentally hit a bookcase, causing the thick dictionary to fall on his head, I immediately dashed to the door. Farrell quickly grabbed me, but unfortunately, the principal showed up in the nick of time. He and the superintendent hurriedly stopped Farrell. After Farrell and I were sent to the supervisor's room to reflect on our wrongdoings, suddenly there was a knock on the door. When the door opened, I was shocked to see Alvin in a smart suit. Farrell, you're a spell due to school vandalism and intentionally causing injury. What? Farrell angrily launched at Alvin, but he immediately stopped his sponge. What are you to expel me? I'm the inspector of the National Department of Education. I was sent here to investigate violations and complaints about the school. Security, get him out. I was really shocked to learn this fact. It turned out that Alvin had broken into the school under the mask of a janitor to investigate and protect his true identity. Soon after, the security took Farrell out. The principal appeared right after that. He smashed my letter to the table. How dare you insult our sacred school rules? 
I'm not insulting anything. You must see how ridiculous these hmm. rules are. They're making the students suffer. Suddenly, Alvin poured out from his coat a lot of letters from the students. They were letters complaining about the school's strict rules, along with many photos of bullying and bribery. You'll have to think twice when looking at these. The principal picked them up as his <gasps> eyes widened. After a while, he made a shocking decision. Bring those who took bribes to the court, expel those who were violent, and at the same time, repeal all previous rules. From there, students can freely connect with each other, use their phones to study, and give honest feedback on the quality of teaching. As for me, it was illegal to break into the school at night to send letters, so I was still disciplined. But thanks to those letters, everything came to light, so I was quickly allowed to go back to school normally. As for Elvin, after settling everything, he returned to the Department <laughs> of Education to report on the results. I really hope to see Elvin again one day to thank him personally. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... This was like a dream come true. That gorgeous man in front of me is Ethan. My crush since I was just 14. Back then, Ethan was my dad's business partner. So he'd often come over to our house for dinner. For years, I adored him in secret. But now, at 19, I could finally be honest about my feelings. So when I ran into him by chance in the grocery store, I felt like it was meant to be. He invited me for a drink in the cafe nearby, and we instantly hit it off. We started dating, and now we're an official couple. There's just one thing that worries me. Ethan is recently divorced and has a 10-year-old daughter, Clarice, who he has full-time. While daydreaming, I couldn't hide away from the thought of being someone's stepmom. Oh my, I didn't want to become a mom yet. Don't worry, Clarice is a cute kid. I just know you two will get along. Clarice gave me a devious smile the moment she saw me. Another fish got hooked. Huh? Hey, that's not the right manner. Apologize, now! Ethan immediately said. Clarice let out a loud, Ugh! Then reluctantly apologized. Great! When has it ever been easy to be friends with a naughty ten-year-old girl? I understand this better than most, as I have a little sister. She's either giving me a headache or crazing at me for candy, and I could tell that Clarice was going to be no different. <sighs> One day, Ethan called me in a panic, saying he had an urgent business trip. They informed me at the very last minute. I didn't have time to find a babysitter. Can you help me take care of Clarice for a few days? What? I've only just met the girl, and now I have to mind her for a few days? I still didn't know what to say when Ethan continued. I'll make it up to you after this. And then, the next thing I knew, Clarice was at my front door. Oh gosh, somebody help me! Well, you know those girls that age, like my little sister? I kept pouring out while Mike just smiled and slightly shook his head. I have to make her like me to win over Ethan! So, lovely Mike, can you please come hang out with us? Seriously? 
good with the ladies? Fine. You know I can't say no to you. I took Clarice to a theme park. She frowned the moment she saw Mike. Um, who's this? I don't like strangers. I smiled and said, this is Mike. He's really cool and I don't care. Cindy, what kind of situation did you drag me into? Man, I had to ask myself that question. This wasn't what I envisioned it to be. The outing turned into a competition between them. Clarice challenged Mike to play game after game with her until she won. In the end, they played with the water guns, and I knew for sure Mike let her win. But as soon as he let go of his water gun, Clarice squirted water all over him, leaving him completely drenched. Oops. What on earth is this? That's the price for the loser. <laughs> okay, Cindy, that's enough. Have fun. And he stormed off. Oh no, what have I done to him? I stood there dumbfounded, staring at Clarice. Okay, so it was kind of funny, but I couldn't laugh at my poor friend. I want ice cream. Clarice grinned, then skipped away. Hmm, ice cream. A girl after my own heart. On the way home, we talked so much about her fave show, The Babysitter's Club, and how Stacy is her favorite character. Hmm. Maybe the day wasn't so bad after all. A few days later, Ethan returned, and I was really excited to see him. Thank you so much for taking care of Clarice. Meanwhile, I noticed Clarice was slowly backing out, with an awkward look on her face. I thought she'd be as happy as me to see him, but it didn't seem that way. Darling, are you okay? Are you sick? I... I'm okay. I need to go to my room. After that, at dinner, the question, are you sick, was raised no less than ten times, and it made me feel sick too. I said I'm not sick, and I don't want to see a doctor. Ethan, I think Clarice is fine, so maybe stop asking her. Hearing that, Ethan seemed uncomfortable and turned away. Weird. What was wrong with them? Maybe this was just something they did. Hmm... Whatever it is, I wasn't enjoying this heavy atmosphere. The next day after lunch, Clarice was helping me clean the table while Ethan was packing to go on his next trip. She insisted on washing the dishes while I said goodbye to Ethan. We were hugging in the doorway when suddenly I heard a loud scream coming from the kitchen. Ethan and I both rushed in there and saw Clarice crying as she gripped her hand. Ethan frantically asked, What happened? while I quickly searched for a first aid kit. I was washing the dishes, but I accidentally cut my hand. Cindy, I'm sorry. I wasn't being careful. Please don't punish me. What? What was she talking about? Ethan seemed to have the same question as me. Cindy always makes me do the chores. She told me if I do them badly, I can't have dinner. Huh? Why was she saying things that weren't true? Turning pale with shock, I muttered out, No, that's not true. I, I don't want to stay here. Dad, let me go home. Clarice interrupted me as she was crying harder. I'm so sorry, but I have to go now. I don't even know if you're lying or not. How can you say that to me? Clarice shouted. You monster! Then she ran upstairs. I stood there not knowing what to do.
My brain couldn't process what just happened. Ethan looked at me and sighed. Why didn't he say anything? He didn't honestly think I was capable of doing that. Did he? I decided I needed to confront Clarice about this. So I went up to her room and calmly said, Clarice, why did you say that? You forced me to do all the chores. What? How can you lie like that? I never do such a thing. Oh, but are people going to believe you or a poor little girl? Oh, my God. There was me, thinking she was a sweet kid, when in actual fact, she was the complete opposite. I rushed outside and, shaking, I pulled my phone out. I called Mike and told him everything. Oh boy, that kid is complicated. Maybe she doesn't want you to be with her dad. But even so, what she did was weird. I think you should stay away from them. But how to? I couldn't just run away. Besides, Ethan was on his trip, again, and I was in charge of her. So I kept my distance, no more talking or having fun, but it seemed that Clarice had other ideas. I was watching TV in the living room when Clarice appeared and pulled my shirt. Cindy, I want you to play video games with me. The more silent I was, the harder she pulled. No, Clarice, I'm not in the mood. I shouted, go play by yourself. Then I walked off. A few minutes later, Cass, a senior student, came over to give me some documents. We sat down and had some iced tea. Then suddenly, bam, and a cry. Oh no. Cass and I rushed to the noise. Clarice had fallen down the stairs in the basement and was surrounded by the laundry basket and dirty clothes. Cass quickly ran down there and helped her up. Are you okay? What happened? Cindy told me to do the laundry in time. The basket was so full, so I slipped. No, no, no! I screamed inside my head when Cass gave me a concerned look. Cass, please, I'll explain later. Can you please leave? Why? I screamed at Clarice's face the moment Cass left. If you don't play with me, you'll be a child abuser. You'll have to go to jail. Ugh, this is driving me crazy. Just a few days ago, she wanted her dad to take her away from here, and now she's blackmailing me for not playing with her? Right at that moment, Ethan called. Hi, Cindy. I just want to check on you two. Is Clarice sick or anything? Ugh, what on earth is this? Am I crazy? Or are these two actually weird? OMG. I need Mike. Now. Please, take me away from here, I said as I opened the door for Mike. Stop! Clarice shouted. You two can't go anywhere! Oh, now you're telling me what not to do? If you go, I'll tell the whole world how badly you've been treating me. You'll both go to jail. So that's your scam? Her smirk disappeared. She turned pale and stuttered. N no, it, it was my dad's. Your dad's scam? Clarice looked flustered as she realized what she had just blurted out. Then she quickly covered it up. Nothing! Mike sat down and looked at her with stern eyes. I stood there, waiting for the answer. I... Um... My daddy made me! 
Eventually, Clarice confessed. Turns out, Ethan was a professional scammer who scams young, wealthy girls into giving him money. Worse, he dragged his daughter into his scheme. The plan went like this. He used his handsome looks to flirt with the girls, then Clarice's cuteness to get the girls' empathy. After that, he would go on some last-minute business trip and ask them to take care of Clarice. Meanwhile, Clarice would pretend to be seriously sick. When Ethan arrived back, he would persuade the girls to hand over money for hospital fees, then he and Clarice would disappear out of their lives. At first he told me to do what he said and he'd get me a bike! What about the abusing lie you made up? I asked, still shocked. I made up that excuse so Dad would take me away. I really like you, so I don't want his plan to work. Then why did you continue to act up? Because Cindy was mad at me, and I wanted her to play with me, so I pulled that trick again. Tears streamed down my face. Unbelievable! I voluntarily stepped into his trap right at the beginning. He didn't even have to do much. I felt like such an idiot. After that, we exposed Ethan. Clarice helped us too. Turns out, he's bankrupt, which is why his wife left him and why he's no longer my dad's business partner. Ethan was arrested, but Clarice's mom was out of the country and she refused to return for her daughter. To be honest, I love Clarice and I didn't want her to live in the orphanage. So I let her live at my place for a while before I told my parents everything. Obviously, my parents have more capacity and power to deal with this. It took a while for Clarice to get over her guilt and settle in, but now we get on better than ever. She's a sweet, cute girl who deserves far better than her parents have given her. Then one day, I came back home from college to find Clarice placing some roses on the dining table, which was already romantically set up with candles and steak. Cindy, you're back! How can you prepare a full dinner like this? Clarice didn't say anything. She just giggled and ran to her room. Someone hugged me from behind. Would you mind being my date tonight? It was Mike. Thinking about it, I guess my perfect man was right under my nose this entire time. So, grinning, I turned around and replied, I thought you'd never ask. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by...